But let's begin by reading that resurrection story. And remember that this is the story. Uh, it's the story that's central to all of history and to life. And so uh, in your Bibles, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 23. We'll start in verse 55, and then we'll go into chapter 24, verse 6. And so let's start uh, Luke 23 at verse 55. It says, The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. I think Easter appeals to everyone because Easter means hope. And if you look at the world we're living in, there's a sense of hopelessness. Uh, It's a world of disease and hunger and conflict, and many of us feel trapped by the circumstances of life. But when we remember Easter, we celebrate the fact that God, in raising Jesus Christ from the dead, is saying there is still hope for mankind. There's still hope for individuals and churches. And so the living Christ tells us there's still hope. James Stewart tells the story of a famous painting that was hung in a gallery, and it's a painting entitled Checkmate, in which a man is playing chess with the devil for his soul. And if you look at the painting, the man has only a few pieces left on the board, and his facial expression and his body language reveal his sense of desperation. And the devil, who seems to be very much in charge of everything, has a sense of confidence painted on his face. And so through the years, people would come into the gallery where the picture was hung, and they would look up at it, and they would see the hopelessness of the situation. And often they went away feeling, to some degree, that the artist had captured their own situation. And then one day there came into the gallery a great chess master who stood for hours and he stared at the painting and the chessboard. Finally, with a shout that disturbed everyone, the chess master says, It's a lie! The king still has moves left! It is not checkmate! Well, I think this is what Easter is for us. We stand and we look at our lives and we look at our world and it looks like we've been checkmated. And then Jesus of Nazareth, whom God raised up from the dead, stands and looks at our same lives and he says, it's a lie. You still have moves left. And so let's think about those moves today because Easter is a day of hope. It's a word of hope. And so I want to spend some time talking about what Easter means for you and I as we look ahead. What does it mean that Christ is alive? Well, first, as we've said, there is hope. 
uh, and this hope because Easter is a word with future in it. It tells us that life is not a dead-end street or a no-exit situation. It points to the future, a future of God's creation and not our own. And so in Easter, we get a sense of God's presence with us. He is risen becomes He is here. He is present. And there is, in the Easter announcement, a need for a response. Because Easter announcements require Easter responses in our lives. And so this isn't an ordinary celebration. It calls you and I to a confession of faith that Jesus Christ truly is Lord. He's Lord of heaven, Lord of earth, Lord of our lives. And it demands that we enter into a new way of life. Not of our own strength, but in following Him. So let's talk about the resurrection, because this is very important. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus, in fact, is the central fact of human history. It's the central fact of the Christian faith. Because had there been no resurrection from the dead, Christ, as a mere historical person, probably would have been forgotten by now. We probably wouldn't have ever heard of Him, because his life would have been contradicted by his death. Everything about Christ was understood by the early church in the light of his resurrection. One of the real taunting what-ifs in the Bible is in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, where he's talking about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. He begins to talk about if Christ has not been raised... And he goes on to say that if that's true, then our faith is vain. The gospel is in vain. And those who died in Christ are lost. And I would add to that, that if there is no resurrection from the dead, then there's no church. There's no Bible. There's no faith. There's no hope. Well, fortunately, Paul ends that passage with the affirmation in verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Uh, the risen Christ changed the lives of those to whom he appeared. And so if you want to read in Scripture the earliest accounts of those appearances, you wouldn't turn to the Gospels, but you'd go to Corinthians. Because Paul talked about the resurrection two decades before Matthew and the other Gospel writers. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3-8, through 8, Paul writes, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James and then to all the apostles, and last of all, He appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Now, you and I live in a world that often wants to explain things. We often want scientific reasons to determine truth. But if you read the different accounts, the resurrection is a supernatural thing. Jesus is not restricted to the laws of nature. One minute he's there, the next he's gone. The disciples could be in a room with all the doors shut, and suddenly he's in the room with them. God can do whatever he pleases. 
And that is good news for us because that means that He has the power to change our hearts and our lives. The presence of the living Christ means new life because it gives hope. And secondly, because it means that our lives can change. This is confirmed to us as we examine the lives of the disciples. Uh, Christ appearing to them after the resurrection changed their lives. A change took place in them once that Jesus Christ appeared to them. And this change was not something that was just part of a self-hypnotism. It wasn't a gradual change. We read that in a period of less than 50 days, what had been a, a very confused and disoriented band of former disciples transformed into a group of people with an unshakable understanding of their message and their mission. What was once a small group of people so frightened for their physical safety that they holed up in a room became a group of people so bold that they were willing to take on the very establishment that had orchestrated the crucifixion of Jesus. What had been a group of people who were fairly insensitive, I mean, even as Jesus was instituting the Lord's Supper, there they are jockeying for position in the kingdom of God, This group becomes an unbelievably unselfish, giving kind of people. From a people who basically had been defeated and gone back home to what they had left, they became a movement that was to shape the world, a movement in which you and I have been caught up in. It's amazing. You know, every once in a while, someone comes along and they try to deny the resurrection or they they try to somehow rationalize it away. But when you look at the evidence, it's overwhelming. And when you take time to read the accounts of the resurrection, the most convincing piece of evidence that it actually happened has to be the transformation of those who saw him. When Jesus appeared to these people, they had not anticipated it, they were reluctant to believe, and they did not ever completely understand it. But one undeniable fact remains. They were totally changed by it. And so you and I must allow the living Christ to change us. The risen Christ changed their lives. And the risen Christ can make your life and my life different if we'll let him. And I say that because it's very possible to believe in the doctrine and the truth of the risen Christ and at the same time not be affected by it, because it's a creed that we say with our lips. You know, with our heads we may say, I believe that Christ died for the sins of the world and that God raised him up. And who would dare not to have that confession on their lips this morning on Easter Sunday? But it's possible that the same life that stands and confesses that he or she believes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that same person can live a defeated life. They can be enslaved by littleness and lies, by lust, by selfish ambition, materialism, prejudice, hatred. They can compromise. And so there's a need not only for us to hear from those who experience the risen Christ, but also for you and I to experience the risen Christ ourselves. And the needs that you and I have are not all that different from the people that Christ appeared to in the Bible. Um, Our needs to be forgiven and reassured, 
to be motivated, to be strengthened, and to be renewed, they're still very much the needs that Christ speaks to today. The risen Christ is the same for us as it was for them. And it's really interesting to me that in 1 Corinthians 15, 5 through 8, Paul says he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, Paul says he appeared to me. You see, Paul did not feel like there was any basic difference in the Christ who appeared to him and the Christ who appeared to Peter. And yet years had gone by in between those appearances. And I say this because we don't ever actually say this, but in the back of our mind, I think we think, well, that was a different Jesus that was by the seashore. That was a different Jesus that was dealing with Mary by the tomb. That was a different Jesus than the one that met the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. But in the Scripture, Paul doesn't feel that there's any difference. Maybe the purpose is different. Maybe even the method is different because Paul saw light and then he heard a voice. But Peter saw a stranger cooking fish. Mary saw a gardener. The two walking down the road to Emmaus just saw someone and they didn't even recognize who. My point is that Jesus appears to people in different ways in order to bring them life. Sometimes it's in dramatic ways, other times in very simple fashion. But when he appears, however he appears, he comes to bring life out of death, to bring light into the darkness. Daybreak is almost here. It's nearly Sunday. Seven hundred years ago, a man named Isaiah wrote that the Messiah would come to Israel and be rejected and killed. Four hundred years ago, God stopped sending prophets. Thirty-three years ago, God broke his silence and an army of angels announced the birth of the Savior. Three and a half years ago, John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Three years ago, Jesus told Nicodemus that the Son of Man must be lifted up and that those who believe in him will have eternal life. One year ago, Jesus told his followers he would be killed by the Jewish leaders but that he would rise again after three days. Last Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem as the people shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thursday night, Jesus was betrayed by one of his own and arrested. On Friday, the crowd shouted, Crucify! And the sinless Son of God was killed on a Roman cross. Jesus' disciples have been in hiding, terrified for their lives, not understanding what has happened. 
It's been a long two nights, but in a few seconds, the sun will rise. Like the risen sun, Christ still brings life to us today in big and small ways. And so what Easter says is that, is that the risen Christ comes to you and me, not just in the world through the beautiful colors of springtime, not just in his word as it's preached to us or as we read or study it, not just in the church as it meets in the building to worship, but Christ actually comes to us with his living power and his living presence. He comes to all the places in our lives where death is, and he brings life. And one of the themes of Easter for me has been that there are more kinds of dying than just physical dying. There's death to ideals or to our hopes and dreams. There's death to integrity, to relationships, and there's death to believing. But the good news of Easter that's brought to us by the risen Christ is that we have hope that our lives can change and that everywhere death is, Christ comes and brings life. He wants to bring us life in those places. And so this is one of those days in which you and I need to reach out to the living Christ and say, come into these lives of ours so filled with death and bring life. Come to us in all the circumstances of our lives when our hopes have been crushed, when our lives are a mess, when we're down and discouraged or anxious, He comes into every circumstance of our life, and He comes to every kind of people. Now, it's true that He comes to people who love Him, and that's good. Uh, Mary Magdalene was elated to see Him living, that He wasn't dead like she thought He was. But He also comes to those who deny Him, with his love. He comes to those who are paralyzed by fear. He comes to those who doubt him. There's some of you right now who might be saying, I wish more than anything in the world that I could actually believe that Christ is risen. You can believe. You can believe. He comes to you just as he came to Thomas who doubted. He comes even to those who fight against him as the Apostle Paul experienced in his life. And he can take from your life everything that will destroy you. Fear, anger, hatred, defensiveness, insecurity, all of that. He can take that away. And isn't that what we want at Easter? For the living Christ to come and take out of us everything that's deadly. Deadly to others and deadly to ourselves. This is the kind of thing that Christ wants to do in our lives. But sometimes we try to hold on to the things that are hurting us or killing us, and and we just want to feel good, and we may feel discouraged and helpless. But Easter has God saying to you and to me, it's not over. There are moves yet to make. Your story isn't over. And God says, move towards me. 
Embrace the living Christ and let him begin to dwell in you and bring into your life newness, real newness. You may have heard uh, the poem of Francis of Assisi. It's often sung. It says, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. And if you ever read his biography, you've been moved by Francis. Uh, He was a man of the upper class, a man of education and great wealth. But then he renounces everything and he lives his whole life in service to others. And do you know why he did that? Do you know what it was that precipitated that in his life? Well, I'm told that that he was happy and young, and one day he was riding down the middle of a road on on a great beautiful horse, and then he sees standing in the middle of the road in front of him a leper whose skin is white with leprosy. And he's drawn to this person like a moth to a flame. And he sat there on his horse and he looked down at the leper and then he got down, he went over and he embraced the leper. He pulled the leper to himself and then he took money from his bag and he gave it to the leper and he got back on his horse. And as the story goes, as he starts to ride away, he looks back and the leper isn't there. And he concludes that he had met the risen Christ that day. And he was never the same after that happened. Now, some have questioned who he met on that day, but I wouldn't waste time questioning his conclusion. Instead, argue with his life because Francis was different. He was changed. And Easter is when the church, the believers in Jesus, celebrate the fact that we too can meet the risen Christ and our lives can be different. We can celebrate the fact that our lives are not over, that there are moves yet to be made. And so in the name of the living Christ who brings us life, I am pleading with you to to use the moves that you have left and move toward him. So be encouraged. The churches may be empty today, but so is the tomb. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He is our living hope. Amen.